Hi everyone, welcome to Up Nerd. This is episode two of the weekly show. This time, mercifully, I am not solo. I am joined by my co-host, Abby. Hello. To talk about a game that has an Abby in it. It's Abbyception. Oh, that's right. That's right. Good good catch. Good you catch. Named, and you, you say mercifully. Yourself. You say mercifully. What do you mean? That's my name. That is my real live name. You say mercifully, but it's not like it was in Highlander 2, where that was that was something you need a buddy to experience. Midnight Suns is a good game. Yes, very good game, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it. The primary reason, frankly, being we've both been sinking a ton of hours into it lately, so it's been pretty on our minds. Midnight Suns was a 2022 role-playing game developed by Firaxis and published by 2K. The game has a whole bunch of different Marvel characters. You play as the Hunter, who is a new character. You are the daughter of Lilith, who is the main villain in this. She is able to corrupt different characters who join her cause. You team up with the Midnight Suns, who are made up of different Marvel characters from Avengers, X-Men, Runaways, whoever. And you're able to customize your hero. That is about it. This is a game made up of a number of different pieces. In between missions, you make friends with the different heroes, you walk around the abbey in third person and explore things and interact with everybody, you get new cards to play in the actual gameplay portion, which consists of you go out on a mission, usually with two other heroes, and you draw cards to attack the enemies around the environment. This game is so much better than each of its parts. It did not sell all that well, and we just wanted to talk about it. It's a really, really, really good game. Yet it is a solidly made game, and it's been about a year, I think, since it's come out. Yes. And it's still it's still really great. I would say it's probably better now than it was when we first got it. Like, we ran into some technical errors that kind of it deleted the experience. all my saves it deleted all of your saves my saves were fine you didn't play it much when it came out although no. part of that was because we were terrified it was just going to delete my saves again yeah but since then you've been playing it an awful lot on the steam deck on mm. which it seems to run quite well it is a very good steam deck game seemingly it's quite good the the battery gets eaten up a little bit but i mean i can i can play video games in the bath what do i you know what do you want great game Firaxis should be mentioned they are the ones who made the XCOM games and this is what that game is so it's it's a little bit XCOM and it's a little bit Slay the Spire. It's a card game, but it's also a, a tactical card game. Essentially, if you mixed up like Slay the Spire with Fire Emblem Three Houses, you have you have the makings of a Midnight Suns game, and it works really, really well. And I love XCOM. So when this was being made or when it was announced, I figured this was probably going to be close to right up my alley. I am surprised to end up saying this might be one of my Desert Island games. It's not perfect. It's I have games on that list that are better, quote unquote, from an objective point of view. But this is one of my favorites. I absolutely love playing this. The tactical aspect of it is it just feels so replayable. Yeah, and you should mention, what is a Desert Island game? Desert Island game is if you're trapped on a desert island, 
which games could you play over and over pretty much forever? This one's pretty good. When it first came out and I first started playing it, it it wasn't, but I'm starting to see why it would be. And if I if I had to only play one game for the rest of my life, this is not this is not a bad choice. We've put in over 160 hours. That's a lot, especially for what is a single player game with a finite ending as well, too. It's the second time I've been playing through it, and I'm sitting at, I think I'm in Act 3 on this second playthrough. To be fair, this is the first playthrough I've done with the DLC since it came out, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but this is my second playthrough. There's still some little touches I notice, which is another thing that I love about the game. I am a huge comic book nerd, so are you, nerd. Allegedly. There's just a lot of neat touches for people who enjoy the comics. If you enjoy the MCU, there's quite a bit of work put in there as well, too. Starting with the lineup in terms of the heroes, I mean, the base game itself features a number of prominent Avengers from the Marvel movies. Captain America, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Hulk, and Iron Man feature really prominently in the game. Then you get characters who are from just Marvel comics and properties on their own, like Wolverine and a couple members of the X-Men in Magic, who is not super well-known, but probably will be fairly soon, and Wolverine, who everyone knows. Yep, exactly right. So I believe you are a larger comic book nerd than I am, although I am very specialized. The Midnight Suns were a thing before, right? Like, they had their own sort of comic There's a comic era. in the 90s with mm. Midnight Suns, a very different lineup. The Punisher was also in it, who is for, sadly, a variety of decent reasons, persona non grata for a lot of these things. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Yes. But it doesn't bear a whole lot of resemblance to it. The storyline here is very different. Obviously, the character makeup is an awful lot more modernized, whereas the 90s one was made up of the sort of 90s characters you would expect, i.e. the anti-heroes. This one is a little more coherent because it's a video game. There's a lot less kind of meandering. Yeah, it's a it's a tight game. It is Firaxis makes good games. I really haven't encountered except for at the beginning. When this game first came out, there were some bugs and there were some fairly like serious sort of like affects how you feel about the game bugs. The big one being the the it would delete your saves. I was occasion. the only person seemingly that that happened no, to though. You weren't. You weren't. You weren't. You remember we we went through all the forum. Yes, I never like really yeah. found another person who had oh, experienced it though. That's seemingly all been fixed. The game runs a lot more clear than it did before. Although, if you're playing the PC version, I highly recommend doing what I did, which is shutting down the awful 2K launcher. That really helps performance. Mm. Don't but have that on the Steam Deck. That is also because it's taking the settings for mine. Mm -hmm. You are on my account on it, so it runs really well now. Overall, there's a few sort of frame rate hiccups, but there's nothing major, especially because of the way the game plays. It is not sort of an action game, which again, getting back to the combat. So the combat is turn-based as you play the cards. Your positioning is important because you can use portions of the environment to attack enemies. 
I absolutely love it. The characters are so varied. Spider-Man will sort of zip around the battlefield and attack different enemies wherever, and his whole thing is kind of bouncing around and using the environment. Whereas then you get someone like Wolverine. I was going to use one of the DLC characters for a second there. He's a little more grounded. He focuses on the fact that he can regenerate can use bleeding as a status effect on enemies to whittle them down. There's somebody like Blade, Blade who can regenerate while inflicting bleeding. It's just everyone is very different, and everybody plays different, everyone feels different, and this is despite the fact you're really just playing cards. Everybody's kind of doing the same things. It really prevents the characters from feeling all of the same. And one thing I like is your hero is pretty customizable. There is a perfunctory light and dark system to the game. There is an optimum one of those two, I would argue. One of them is better than the other. So that part is not great, but your hero is still quite customizable. And their deck will vary from player to player, I think. The decision to have the player play as a made character... Rather than somebody who is established, i.e. you're not playing as Iron Man, you're not playing as Doctor Strange, whoever. That was interesting. I don't know how I felt about that initially. It gives the writing to the game when you're in the Abbey interacting with the characters almost a fan fiction feel. So everybody talks about how awesome you are and how <laughs> yes, awesome the yes hunter no. is. I was gonna, I was gonna mention it. Hunter's so cool. Hunter Why is so cool. Why are you cool. so cool and awesome? Mm-hmm. Let's be friends. Here's there's, the thing. There's a little bit of that. Yeah, it's endearing though. I can see some people being turned off by it, but it never bothered me. The game's flaws are almost endearing. There is, I said it to you once before. It feels like there is the correct amount of jank to it. Mm, there's not a lot of jank. No. And I will say, too, it's helped a ton by the performances while you're in the Abbey. In terms of the voice actors they got, it is fantastic. Everyone from the Hunter, hashtag female Hunter for life, but the characters, you mentioned it to me, and you're 100% right. It led to me looking up who the voice actor was. Iron Man is voiced by Josh Keaton. Josh Keaton is usually Spider-Man in a lot of different properties. He is amazing as Iron Man in this. Yeah, everybody is doing their best work. So that's that's the thing, right? So you've got this core gameplay loop, which is very good, very addictive, but it's also very much a, you can put it, you know, you can pick it up, play for your lunch hour, and then put it back down type of thing in the way that the the game is structured. So there's, there's sort of two aspects to the game. There's one where you are hanging out in the Abbey which is this mystical place that the Midnight Suns have as their home base. And that's kind of your mission hub. While you're there, you're fully running around 3D environment, you're interacting, you're leveling up your characters, you're interacting with people, you're gaining friendship with these characters. Some of the writing in that can be a little bit hokey. But as I'm as I'm looking at it, I haven't completed the game yet. But I am playing on a little bit of a harder difficulty, I think, than you are, which is why I haven't completed the game yet, because it's it gets way harder. I'm playing um, the super hardest difficulty. Yeah, I I am too. It's not a thing. It's just, I don't know. It gave me the opportunity. I swear, I, I thought there was an achievement for it. So I was like, okay, there's no achievement for it. So, <laughs> so I'm just, and now it's like, I'm too far in to back out. Now, everybody is really 
on point from the voice acting, the writing for the characters, the writing and the little incidental things that get picked up. This game made me like Blade. This game made me curious about Morbius. This game made me curious about some of the characters that I'm not super curious about normally. You bought me for Christmas Captain Marvel comic book because I was saying like, oh, I don't I don't know how I feel about the character in, in Midnight Suns. So, you know, it's 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 sort of you don't have to be into superheroes to like it. You should be into sort of that tactical chess match type of gameplay, because that's the second part of the gameplay loop is every day you can go on one mission with your chosen team that can include your self-insert hunter hero, or it can just be three three characters that you happen to like or trying to level up or have really good stats for this. And that's where that tactical chess-like action comes in. You'll be presented with a variety of enemies that are linked to the mission objectives, whether that's to get rid of all the enemies or to get rid of certain enemies or, you know, get to Dutch Chopper or Capture stop getting to Dutch Chopper. Or get resources. Yeah. So there's a lot of replayability. And when you get to the higher difficulty levels, there are missions that are going to make you have to think Think about what you're doing. Think about who you're bringing. Think about the items that you're bringing in. Think about the order in which you want to do things. It's a lot like Into the Breach at that level. It's a lot like a chess game, which is also one of the reasons that I find the replayability to be really very, very high. So it's it's really a lot like chess in that you've really, really got to think about what you're doing. And that's where Firaxis shines, right? They, they've always made these thinking, a thinking man's game. <laughs> and the fact that it's all of your moves as the characters in the tactical aspects of it are determined by the card deck that you bring with them that you can set up outside of the tactical mission. And the cards that you have available to them will depend on how much you've leveled up, what their friend level is, things like that. It's it's a really it's a really great gameplay loop. And it's great to just pick up and play or it's great to binge an awful lot. And I've been doing an awful lot of binging. The Abbey stuff ties into the main game or rather that gameplay portion because you mentioned the friendship system you make friends with the characters the abbey itself the exploration segment of it is okay that's a bit of something that i think could have been improved on or built on a little bit more maybe it could have had more effect on the actual card gameplay but overall, it works. That was the one thing, as I mentioned before, I'm playing it through for the second time. That was something that I was almost kind of dreading, was going through the Abbey exploration portion again. I didn't find it problematic at all. I actually kind of enjoyed it. It actually feels better the second time. Part of that, I think, is because certain events or locations are walled off to you based on your progression in the main portion of the game in terms of the turn-based missions. And since I knew that this time, I wasn't constantly going around trying to find ways around something because I thought I should be able to get past this when no, it was just walled off because I hadn't completed X mission. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoy just sort of like going around and, and walking the world, but it is, it's not a, a big sort of open world game to explore when you're in the Abbey and the, the Abbey's grounds. I'd argue it's better for that in terms of, I feel like the open quote unquote aspects of it are some of the worst portions of it. I like 
how structured a lot of it is and the missions are structured well the gameplay is structured well it's one of those games that i feel like benefits from not being an open world and it came out at a time i think one of the reasons it didn't do great was because it came out at a time that we were sort of open worlded out which i think we still are and not to mention it came just after one of the biggest open world flops of all time (laughs) which one Marvel's Avengers. From was that an Square open world game? Enix. I thought that was like a a pay. It was a games like as a, a service open yeah. world, and it yeah. was something. Well, yes, and as it turns out, that ended up being one of the things that impacted sales for Midnight Suns. It hurt this game in the end. It hurt this game, and it hurt Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy was a third person action game, but single player, and it was very good as well. And it just bombed, much like this one, unfortunately. This game at least got through and got to get its downloadable content out, but it still didn't sell well. You pretty much constantly, before we get into the DLC, you pretty much constantly say you think it'll have a long tail. The 2K CEO agrees with you. But of course. Most of, I should say the Take-Two Interactive CEO, anyway, he agrees, most of their games do. A lot of Firaxis games, so Civilization is a great example. It sells forever. And obviously XCOM 1 and 2 is, that's a series that's kind of been defined by the fact that it gets picked up over time by more and more people. XCOM 2 is where they give out with Serial at this point, but it is an amazing game. I love that series. I think I mentioned it before, but I grew up with the first XCOMs, in particular Terror from the Deep, way back when. And again, that was another sort of... The pedigree from that was one of the reasons I figured I'd like this, but not nearly as much as I have enjoyed it. Yeah, see, I, I came at it at the opposite. I played the XCOM games. I played the original. I played the the, the new originals. They they were good. I enjoyed my time with them, but I'm not... I, I didn't think I was that kind of gamer. I might go back and revisit them, actually. I was, I was more into, like, the Marvel stuff. I was curious about that aspect of it. And you were you were planning to buy it anyway, so why, why not? You thought it would yeah, be fun to delete tail, my saves. So, oh. so this... Game. I'm sorry. This game <laughs> did not sell well initially, partly because the Avengers game came out and it just flopped. Partly, I think, also because we've got we have superhero fatigue, frankly, as a as a society, right? Like it's it's just been superhero, 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 superhero for ten years, probably closer to fifteen. When was uh, when was Iron Man? Like two thousand eight? Yeah, something like that. So it's it's been a lot of that and. Great games got sort of caught in the crossfire of superhero fatigue and... It got delayed um, a few times too, and it came out just before Christmas on mm, December 2nd in 2022. And then the different versions of it too. So the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions, in other words, the previous generation of console, they got delayed even further into May 2023. Hmm. I trust for Axis. I would let them... You know, let them take their time, because as we've seen, the DLC is incredible, but we'll we'll get into that in a second. But in regards to it didn't sell well at launch, which, of course, can affect, you know, how much a publishing company or, or a developer is willing to invest into it. 
but it seems to have a long tail. And I think that's partly for the reason that, okay, we're all sort of not, we're still in a pandemic in a lot of ways, but we're not quite as we were in 2022, right? 2022, video game prices were also just starting to make that that creep upwards. So let's call it seventy dollars is a is a bigger ask when people yeah. are out of work, when people are you know maybe trying to cut expenses. Now it is absolutely worth the sixty seventy dollars, but you know we couldn't buy two copies of it in twenty twenty two. That would have been like irresponsibly irresponsible financial decision for us. Whereas now it's it's like thirty dollars Canadian. It's sixty six. It's a steal off. of thirty dollars for it the base game. And Absolute it's part steal. of, and it's currently part of the humble bundle for this month. This oh, month, yeah. sorry, being January, I've seen a number of people already post that I probably never would have played this if not for the bundle. It feels like almost everybody that played this game absolutely loved it. I haven't spoken to many people or seen posts from many people who played it and just didn't enjoy it at all. Yeah, so that's so. that long tail, you know, where. Yeah, it's great if you can sell one copy for $70, but if you sell three copies for $30, that's more money. And if you can do that, you know, for 10 years, that's a that's a nice little return on your investment. And I mentioned, you know, XCOM 2, I've seen it as low as $2.39. That is highway robbery. Is so, it? Hmm. Yeah, the fire the Firaxis stuff drops in price over time, but it, XCOM 2 was worth it at $60. Midnight Suns is worth it at $60. At $30 or part of a $12 Humble Bundle for the month for it and a number of other games, some of which are also quite good, is a steal as well. And if you play the game and you enjoy it, I do recommend the DLC. The DLC is essentially more game. In this case, it doesn't really add anything mind-blowing but it's definitely worthwhile, especially if you like any of the characters. The DLC adds Deadpool, Venom, Morbius, Storm, who you yeah. were probably most excited with being Yeah, I was fan. most excited to have Storm, because that's cool. It's weird, and it, it goes back to how well-crafted this game is and how on point everything is, from the voice acting to the writing. It's a little hokey sometimes when, you know, you're... you're you're getting more powerful through the power of friendship. It's fine. If you think of it as kind of like a comic book, it, it makes a little bit more sense. Otherwise, the writing is not very comic booky. Morbius ends up being one of my favorite characters to interact with just in general. I thought it was going to be Storm because I, I you know grew up with and I, I adore the X-Men. She's she's great, but I, Morbius, man. Morbius, Venom. Morbius Deadpool is fun to... Uh, Deadpool, uh, I'm still leveling up, but... Um, Morbius is fun to take on the missions. I was surprised how much I like him, because I do not care about the character whatsoever. It has... He does result in the best line in the entire game of Hunter saying, What is your catchphrase again? It is the time for morbing. What is your catchphrase? It is time to morb? That is it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Venom, I haven't encountered that yet, actually, which is uh, funny because I've been bringing them everywhere. Deadpool but is it's, pretty fun. Venom is a lot of fun. He's like a combination between Spider-Man and Hulk and works out probably a little better because, frankly, you get Hulk very late in the game, which is a gigantic pain. But he works well and his power set is well represented. Sorry, Venom. Hulk, not as much. 
everybody is well represented and plays kind of the way you would think minus Hulk to a certain extent. He's just not as strong as I would have liked. I would argue he's not even as strong as he's not as strong as Venom. That's not even close. He's not as strong as, say, one of the DLC bosses. And that is one thing the DLC adds, which is two new main enemies. There's a number of different main enemies from different things. There's Crossbones. There is Sabretooth. Venom initially is a bad guy. The DLC adds Sin, who is Red Skull's daughter, for anyone who reads comics. And Dracula who is a recurring villain, usually in X-Men, but he's shown up in other books. I would I, I would even hesitate to call it DLC. It it brings me back to the times of the old expansion packs, you know, when you would you go to your, your local gaming store, which also existed. They weren't all just GameStops or Best Buys. You'd go, you'd buy in like a separate box an expansion pack which was like a whole bunch of different maps or or even campaigns for the given game and it's a lot like that i'm actually enjoying the i'm really enjoying the dlc a lot more than i think the initial campaign i will say that some of the missions are more challenging Mm. the difficulty gets raised significantly i think by the dlc and it works really well. It doesn't do so in a way that feels like a sort of progress stopper or anything like that. And you're obviously helped by the heroes are quite powerful. Storm takes a bit of leveling up, but is an absolute powerhouse as well. Everybody's kind of viable in the game to use, which is one of the things I like. But in terms of the DLC as sort of an expansion, that's true. The only thing I'll say was is a couple of the interactions are a little off in terms of I really wish Captain America had more to say about Sin, who is the daughter of his main villain, the Red Skull. It's a little weird that he's not one that talks about her an awful lot. It's weird that Captain America is there for me. Like we we've sort of talked about this that like I don't I don't know why Captain America is in a, in the Midnight Suns. Everybody else makes sense. I I just I don't sort of see that kind of like does it he's not part of the midnight suns either he joins up as part of the avengers and he joins up because the tower gets attacked and you end up sort of just he ends up joining you but i'd argue in terms of character probably makes more sense thematically than someone like captain marvel who is largely an off-world character let's be honest the main reason is sort of mcu recognition and it's a game that works well if you like either the comics or the MCU, if you enjoy strategy games, it's not imperative if you like one or the other, but it definitely helps. It, it will certainly enhance the experience. I will say you mentioned earlier that it doesn't feel comic booky. The characters themselves are very much taken from their comic book interpretation, though. Mm. In particular, Iron Man is an awful lot more like comic book Iron Man than he is Robert Downey Jr., but it doesn't matter that much because frankly we mentioned it before josh keaton just kind of makes the character his own oh he's it's yeah and they do things that are mentioned in the comic book i think there was also mention of it in the uh in the movies but like they the the abbey is stocked with a variety of sodas and fruit juices for a specific reason it's because 
Iron Man's an alcoholic. He can't, He's a recovering well, alcoholic. alcoholic. He can't yeah. have alcohol, so we just don't. There's some um, beautiful touches like that, and mm-hmm. one of my favorites was Robbie, who is the Ghost Rider in this, Robbie Reyes. He looks up to Johnny Blaze, the original Ghost Rider. After an incident and a mission in particular, suddenly all of the posters he has of Johnny Blaze are removed from his room. It's a nice little touch. The phrase you use a lot is, quote, they didn't have to go this hard, unquote, and they really didn't. And it's one of the reasons I don't feel so bad about this game not selling well. I do still feel bad about it. Jake Solomon and his team deserve an awful lot more, but they threw in, it feels like, absolutely everything they could think of and everything they could have really wanted to into this. Yeah, I agree. To the point where if it does have this long tail... I don't see why they wouldn't make other DLC. So as it stands, this is it. So that season pass that you can buy, you're getting you're getting a lot of great value for it, even if you have to buy it at uh, full price. Like I think we got it 10% off on Steam, which is just save the taxes, right? I would expect, I would hope that the long tail allows for development of more sort of capsule DLC expansion packs where you can just have a cool sort of 10, 20 hour additional thing where you're going to fight Boiler's Dracula or you're going to investigate something else. That's fun. Like I'm having a blast with fighting these vampires and getting to know characters that I would not have gotten to know otherwise. The game's set up well for a sequel as well, too. You'll notice mm. if you ever get around to finishing it. Get I'm good. trying. I'm just I I am just trying to get I'm doing the same. I mean, I'm putting it off and just kind of blasting through missions, cranking up everybody's friendship, unlocking everybody's final quote-unquote outfits and abilities and that sort of stuff. It is so much fun, and the game deserved a lot better. But again, if this is it, they certainly knocked it out of the park. It It is better than it had any right to be, and released at a time where you would almost expect it to be poor or some type of cash-in. But mm. it's not none of those. They made a very good, solid game. There's very few technical bugs that we've encountered. Now that they've sort of gotten over that weird kind of... I, I promise you, I'm, uh, we weren't the only ones who experienced that. Where the You're saves saying would get corrupted and things bad. like that. No, no. And look at all the joy you got in, in, in starting over. Yeah, so I th- like this game made me interested in Blade, which is not a character that I thought had a whole lot of depth or interest to me. I want to know more about Morbius. I want to I want to I want to actually talk to and hear what the voice actors say. Does this mean I, hmm? Does this mm-hmm. mean Morbius is going to end up on Fine You Pick? I might have to duck out for that episode. No, I I don't think so. It will um, never be Morbin time on Fine You Pick. Mm, nope. It is Who? the time for Morbing. It is not the time for Morbing. Who played Morbius? Jared Leto. Yeah, so that that's another reason we're not yeah, going to a million points already. have a Morbius, Morbius time. We're not going to have a good Morbin. We're not going to, we're not going to Morbin time. Jake Green voices him in this game. He also voices Venom in it. Really? Yes, surprisingly. Really? I don't know if he voices the Eddie Brock aspect. Mm, Interesting. I would not have guessed, but whoever it is, they do a very good job. 
Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's great. There's no, nothing takes you out of that world except occasionally some of that friendship is magic stuff, but it's, it is avoidable if you, if you want to avoid it. That is a thing that you can do. Yeah, or you can get to a point where essentially you're just doing different general missions indefinitely, which is kind of mm-hmm. where we're both hovering at near the end of the game, just <laughs> cranking things. Well, I'm up, doing them because I'm trying to get everybody's final costume. I'm trying to get uh, final ability. Yeah, just because I know that uh, I know that there's stuff that I need to do that is not video gaming in the near future. So I'm just trying to yeah trying to get that all. The deck building aspect to the game, too, I should mention, is important to maximizing and min-maxing your characters. It's not super technical. It's not like playing Marvel Champions or something like that, which is a physical card game that I play. It's well done. It's something that you'll want to invest some level of time in. So that's another thing I think that could have been a barrier to people wanting to play it. Because there's an awful lot of people who don't like deck building games. But in this one, it's not too intrusive, I think. It's significantly more controlled than like your average sort of roguelike deck building game. You have you have a certain amount of cards that you can pull from. Generally, I found sort of at the, the higher, higher levels, there is a particular play style that I want to use with myself and with the characters. But I would say that generally everybody has kind of two roles that they could fill. And depending on what cards you decide to keep, what cards you decide to destroy, you can always make cards anew. It just costs a little bit of resources that you get by doing missions. So it's very, very forgiving. I I kind of forgot it was a card game for a little bit. And then I realized as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about for this podcast, I was like, oh, hey, hold on. No, this is actually a card game. The card game is mostly just there to have a reason to make it, it turn sort based. of it. Yeah. To, to sort of enhance the tactical part. Um, yeah. It keeps it from being turn based in the, the style of a final fantasy. Yeah. And it, it gives you a reason as to why, like, OK, well, why doesn't Storm? Why does why does Storm, the largest of the X-Men, not simply just destroy everybody on turn one? You know, it makes a kind of game logic and it, it works. It you forget you're kind of playing a card game. You're you're in the limitations of that system. You mentioned uh, that with Storm, and mm-hmm. it's one of the last sort of points before we wrap it up, but she does still... Actually, sorry, all of the characters, especially near the end of the game, do feel incredibly powerful. Like, I'm using Venom or Iron Man or Magic to wipe out the entire board solo pretty frequently, even at the higher difficulties and even at the later levels. So it does a good job of they still feel like those characters and their power level still feels like those characters. You're unlikely to get one shot by random Hydra Trooper Trooper 18 at the later levels, and you're usually just sort of wading through the rivers of the enemies you've quote knocked out unquote the the ads if you will the little the lobies as you become more powerful and as the game progresses and as the difficulty ramps up those are the easy parts it's managing that within the limited number of card plays per turn that you have with the skills that you have that can return card plays or or knock people into things and then get rid of those 
that's where the chess comes in. Human game of chess. Basil loves it. You heard it here first. Loves it. It gets eight Basil meows out of two Basil meows. Eight Basil meows. It's five bags of popcorn, 18, 18 Basil meows, 16 times the detail. It just works. It got 10 out of 10 IGN. It is very good. It's more than the sum of its parts. And I think that it's worth, if any sort of portion of what we've talked about piques your interest at all, it is worth playing. If you like XCOM, if you like tactical games, if you like comic books, if you like Marvel, whatever, it touches on all of those. And it does a surprising good job of melding everything. And it is an absolute steal on like a deep sale. But even if, even if, you know, if you have the budget for, you know, one $70 game for the next six months or so, you'll, you'll, you'll do that. You'll, you'll get it here. It's a great game. People should play it. Whether or not you're into superheroes, again, I am now into some characters that I was not expecting to be into. And I came for the superheroes in a, in a lot of ways. So it's, uh, it's quite intriguing. And everybody did a really, great job and if you're interested in sort of games culturally it's also an interesting one to pick up just to see what a very well crafted game by uh fairly well-known developers but who are sort of you don't see much of firaxis outside of civilization these days so that's to be encouraged but if you're into game dev very intriguing there's some very interesting lessons that you can learn from this so that's uh that's my take on it that's going to do it for this week's show I encourage anybody out there to leave a review of the podcast. Feel free to send in comments. You can find us on Twitter at UpNerdPodcasts. You can also email us, UpNerdPodcasts at gmail.com and we're also on Facebook. Hope everybody out there has a good week and enjoy. Enjoy.